0: On these episodes entitled Dangerous Conversations, we'll be talking to a lot of different people about a wide range of topics and hopefully learning a lot and growing, and through that growth, helping to make the world a better place. Let's get started. today's episode we have a friend of mine champ crocker who has been gracious gracious enough to join us i'm super excited for this interview for this conversation Uh, champ and i go to the same church saint john's and uh, he's very active and involved but enough of me talking about him Uh, champ how are you Doing well. Thank you for having me here today. Oh, I'm, I'm very glad you could join us. Now, Champ, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, as you said, uh, my family and I attend church uh, here at St. John's. We live here in Cullman. Uh, my wife, Emily, and my two sons uh, are Henry and Charles. And uh, I practice law in Cullman and I'm also involved in various things in, in the community. Um, and Nathan, I just want to start out by saying I've uh, I've always enjoyed your classes uh, here at St. John's as well as your your sermons as well. And so uh, this opportunity here
0: today to be on your podcast is, is a real treat. Thank you for having me. Oh wow, those are kind words, and I appreciate that. Uh, like you said, Champs, uh, very involved in the community. He's always doing stuff, meeting new people, making friends, and so it's been enjoyable to to hear about all the things that he's been up to. Um, so we'll we'll dive right in. Uh, when did you know you wanted to become a lawyer? What did that look like?
1: I'm not sure, Nathan because I can't remember not wanting to be
0: a lawyer. Okay. When
1: I was uh, a young child, my friends wanted to be police officers and athletes and astronauts, and all of those are are great things, but I always wanted to be a lawyer. Mm. I would come home from school. I would watch uh, court shows. I've Mm. just always been drawn to it. And I've been asked this question before, but... I I can't remember not wanting to be a lawyer.
0: Maybe uh, you didn't choose to become a lawyer. Maybe the profession chose you is (laughs) kind of what it sounds like. Something Um, like that. Yeah. Uh, What was law school like?
1: Tough. Tough. Law school is a lot of reading, a lot of uh, preparation. Um, it, It is really an exercise in time management. Oh, wow. Okay. Because you have to, you know, the professor's Most professors don't care if you come to class or not. It's on Mm. you. And in most classes, the bulk of your grade comes from the final exam. Some classes have midterms, but more often than not, when I was in law school, everything came from the final, and it was up to you whether or not you learned the material and were able to to perform on the the final examination. Now, as law school goes on, you get to do more and more things. First year is, you know, core curriculum, but then second and third years, there are other extracurricular things you can do. the The big thing for me was I was on the trial team uh, and, okay. uh, for trial advocacy, and the the school I went to had a had a very good uh, trial advocacy team, and I was able to go all over the country, uh, trying mock trial cases. Uh, went to Nashville went to Syracuse, New York, um, and other places doing that. And that was really the most valuable thing to me in law school, getting that practical experience of Mm -hmm. going to trial. And so when I got out of law school and started practicing, even though – to some extent, it's apples and oranges. You know, mm-hmm. In my law school trials, there wasn't really somebody's life on the line. There wasn't mm-hmm. real money at stake, but it was good practice. Yeah. And that gave me a comfort level when I was a young lawyer uh, from having had that experience. And so it was a real benefit to me to get to do that.
0: Okay, definitely. Uh, where did you go to law school? I went to law school at Cumberland School of Law at Sanford University. Uh, I, I love that because I'm going to uh, currently going to Beeson Divinity School mm-hmm. which is the seminary at Sanford as well so that that's a pretty cool connection there um, what's your favorite kind of law I know there's civil a criminal there's uh, what is is it contract law or tort law something like that I, I might be messing up these terms but what's your favorite type of law
1: I've always been in the courtroom in my career I've handled a lot of different kinds of cases criminal cases civil cases uh, on both sides I have I have prosecuted cases uh, I have defended cases both civilly and criminally I've never done much in terms of transactional work in terms of you know closings or deeds or anything like that I've always wanted to be in the courtroom and mm. that's and that's what I've done in in, in my career uh, I enjoy being an advocate yeah and I enjoy the process of trying cases, um, and I've, I've sort of gotten to experience it from, from different um, standpoints as an advocate, but also I had a unique experience three years ago when I got to be a juror okay. in a case in Coleman County, and wow, okay. I never thought that would happen because usually lawyers get weeded out uh, from the jury. Uh, and the way that process works, when you when you have a jury trial, each side—this was a criminal case, so it was the district attorney's office and the defense counsel. Each side gets to strike the jurors they don't want, mm. and then you're left with the twelve jurors who who go in the box. And usually, if there's a lawyer involved, it's it's not happening. Yeah, and. Uh, in, in my case, it worked out. Oh, there we go.
0: I think that leads naturally into our next uh, question. I've heard some unfortunate things from Christians when it comes to being a lawyer. It doesn't necessarily have to be from Christians either, but just in general, uh, don't become a lawyer. All of them are corrupt. Lawyers are this way or that way. I'm sure you've heard these things. Um, how would you respond to this?
1: Well, number one, I don't agree with that.
0: Uh, yes, yeah.
1: And one of the things that our Christian faith teaches us is, um, well, I'm trying to think how to, how to phrase this. Take uh, your time. One of the battles we're fighting right now, uh, both in our country and as Christians, is cancel culture. Yeah. And so what what does cancel culture do? It overgeneralizes groups of people Mm. and individuals and says, well, because this person did something or said something that they and anyone like them should be canceled, should not be able to make a living, should be run out of town. And hey, I like a good lawyer joke as much as anybody does. I've, I've heard them all, but... Uh, I disagree with the statement that uh, lawyers are corrupt, that people Mm. shouldn't become a lawyer because they're corrupt. The practice of law is an honorable profession. Mm. We are governed by the rules of professional conduct, which um, is enforced by state bar associations and, and in some local bar associations. And the rules of professional conduct you know, say what is permitted and what is not for lawyers to do. And lawyers are very much a self-policing profession. Mm. So if I witness another lawyer doing something unethical, I have an obligation to report that. Mm. If I notice that I've done something, I have an obligation to report that. And that's true for every lawyer. I believe it is an honorable profession, now that's not to say that there are not some bad apples. There are, there are bad apples in every profession. That's true. Um, I think that lawyers sometimes get the brunt of that hmm. because it's an adversarial system that we're in, and when you know people, and a lot of times there's 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 money on the line, there's freedom on the line, there are. Um, people's families, you know um, child custody and things like that. All of these things are very important. you know if you're a litigant and you have a case in the court system, it's important to you and it should be. Sometimes people may not see the result they think is just and, and it may be for you know something happened that wasn't right. But but I re- I reject the notion that lawyers are corrupt in yeah. general.
0: Yeah, I like what you said. There there are exceptions. You you might have a person here or there, but in general, the system is a is a good, honorable, noble noble system. I I, I like that definitely. Um, There was a point when I considered uh, becoming a lawyer at at a time, and then I decided to go the more ministry route. So I I definitely think highly of the profession. Uh, You touched on this briefly. So uh, can you tell us more? How, How does your faith shape how you practice law?
1: Well, dealing with human beings in the practice of law, I guess I've learned some things about human nature, hmm. which I have learned you know, through being a Christian and, and through my faith, and and I am very much still a work in progress there. Uh, yeah. you know, we, 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 we all are. Um, there, there was a point where you know, several years ago, before I joined St. John's, where I had gotten a little bit complacent in my faith. Hmm. Uh, we all have those hills and, and, and valleys. But um really what um what sort of crystallized um uh, human nature in general for me was something I read uh by uh, pastor JC Watts from Oklahoma. If, if anyone is not familiar with JC Watts, uh he was a football player at the University of Oklahoma. He served several years in the United States Congress and uh he is back in Oklahoma with his with his ministry and uh, one of the things I read um, by Pastor Watts was about the Christian worldview and how what your worldview is shapes everything. And, and your worldview really comes down to to one of two camps, in my opinion. Either you believe that man is fundamentally good mm. and can save himself,
0: yes, or
1: you believe man is fundamentally bad and without grace cannot cannot be saved. And it is really a secular worldview versus a Christian worldview. And that when I read that, it stuck with me. It's been several years ago. But that has sort of just shaped the way I view life in general and 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 people and people in general and and my own actions as well. And so um you know sometimes when you read something it just it just sticks with you and that certainly did for me. Now mm-hmm. I, would, I would just add this. We live in a nation of laws. Mm-hmm. We have the separation of church and state, which means that you know the government we don't have a government-sponsored church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, we don't have a theocracy like some societies have had. That—that's not the law. However, I would say any faith that you say the, that you check at the door. You know, you know, people say, "Well, yes, yes, I'm a Christian," but mm. it doesn't affect how I do my job. Mm. Uh, yes, I'm a Christian, but you know, that's that's a Sunday thing. I would say any any faith that you have to check at the door mm. that does not guide what you do, how you treat people, and so forth is no faith at all. Mm. And yeah. so, while um, in in my job, I I apply the law and I am governed by legal principles, that doesn't mean that my faith doesn't. Shape my thinking and in um, my worldview.
0: Absolutely. And this is a, a little bit, I guess, more from a pastoral angle, but practicing law for many years, I can imagine it might be. Uh, like doing police work or being a counselor, being a pastor. If you work with people enough, I've heard it's tough to not become jaded, cynical, think the worst, be very suspicious of people. How have you been able to avoid that? Just not being overcome with cynicism and just expecting people to be awful or the worst all the time. What do you do to fight those tendencies?
1: Well, one... You know, we're taught that our hope is not in people, that, yeah. our, that our hope is, is in God. That's true. And and so starting out that way, with that being the, the expectation, I think, helps keep one from, from becoming cynical. Um, also, you know, right now, I mean, we've seen so many things happen in, yeah. in the last two years. We're in an upside down world right now, and, and people... People are mad. Mm. People, people are angry. Um, but I think it's it's important to realize that that our hope is is not in man. That our hope is is in Jesus. And you know, as big as our problems are, I refuse to believe that we've lost the capacity to solve them. Now, sure, with with time, um, some people do do get do get cynical. Some people do get worn out and, and we all we all see that. and and we hope that that we don't turn into that. But all we can do in, in my opinion, is to stay centered on where our hope lies and
0: every day just try to do the best we can. Absolutely. I like that. Hope matters a whole lot. You don't place your hope in people. Um, Now this, for our next question, this gets to one I was really looking forward to. It might touch on natural law and moral law and all those things that for me, a bit of a philosophy nerd I like. But um, how do we as Christians try to build a moral, just society with non-Christians. So uh, when it comes to non-Christians, you can't say uh, you shouldn't murder because the Bible says not to murder because a non-Christian won't accept the Bible as authoritative. So saying like the Bible says doesn't really work. Uh, So how do we build a society together with rules and laws and trying to aim for justice and things like that with people who don't share our faith?
1: You may be better at answering this one that, that, than I am, Nathan. Oh, I
0: don't know. But um,
1: with the example that, that you just gave of you can't tell a non-Christian, you know, don't murder because the Bible says don't murder. Sure, they're probably not going to believe that. But there are there many things in the Bible, in the Ten Commandments, which happen to also be the law. Hmm. You know, the Ten Commandments say, "Don't kill, don't steal, mm. don't commit adultery." All of those things are in the secular laws that that we have, and those are just a, a few examples of thing of biblical principles which are written into law. And so there, there, then there are several other things just just like this where you know everyone has an interest in living in a safe stable environment. Mm. Christians have an interest in that. Other religions, non-believers, you know should all want to live in in a in a safe community, in a safe town, on a safe street. And so we all have an interest in, in those things happening. And you know hopefully you know, yes, we, we wish everybody was a Christian and we all do what we can you know to to witness or to minister to them. But even if they don't accept our faith, I would argue they still have an interest in things like this. Um, crimes, sins, you know murder would be both, right? Yes and, yeah. and, and that not happening.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, find, uh, find common ground. Find where you can agree. Build bridges. I like that. Um, you know, focusing on, I guess, what's been called philosophically like human flourishing, going after what will be best for society and things like that. Um, as with anything else, People have lots of thoughts on how we should improve our judicial system. People say, try this and try that. So uh, this could be a whole conversation on its own. So don't think like you have to talk for two hours on it. But uh, I guess what are some thoughts you might have that we could improve our judicial system?
1: I've got a pretty conservative view on that one. When Sometimes when people have a bad experience in court. They think it's the system's fault. Mm. Um, The system is founded, though, on the right to a jury trial, the right to representation, the right to due process. Mm. Those things must always be intact. Okay. Because if, if, if you go to start changing the system, then... What about your rights that you have under the existing system? Yeah. Now, those things are fundamental as Americans that that we have those rights, and so now the system is carried out by people. Yes. So um, you know it's just like you know the, the and I'll segue here you know into the, the church. The the church is both a divine and a human institution. Yes. So sometimes there are flaws, you know, things that happen in, in our churches, not due to God's error, but due, due to human error or human shortcomings. That's true. Certainly humans make mistakes and have shortcomings and, and sometimes results happen that maybe shouldn't happen in the system. But whenever someone talks about changing the system, I, I, I just question that. Change it to what?
0: Ah, uh, yes. Uh, I, I, I like what you're often talking about. The the bones are good. The structures are good. Same thing that you talked about with the law profession as a whole. Um, even if sometimes humans, there are bad apples, uh, bad actors, and things like that. So uh, keep uh, the, the system is sound. Um, and I guess we got to work on the human part of things oftentimes. Um, all right, so... As a lawyer, what does the average day look like for you? Give us a a peek behind the curtain just a little bit. Busy. Busy. So some days
1: I'm in court. Other days I'm seeing clients in my office. Um, no, No two days in my career in the last 20 years have been the same. Okay. All right. One of the things that we spend a lot of time on in the practice of law, particularly uh, on the civil side of cases is the discovery process, which is document intensive. It's, it's a lot of work. The discovery process is when you are subpoenaing information that you need, where you are questioning witnesses, you know, taking depositions, uh, drafting questions to send to the other side and reviewing their responses, that takes up a lot of, of any lawyer's time. But, you know, in addition to that meeting with witnesses, servicing clients, phone calls, going to court, Mm. you know, when you, you know, when you're in court, you know, you may be trying a case, um, you know, on, on TV. Most of the time when you see court, it's, it's a trial going on. But there are various other types of things you do in court, like motion hearings, status conferences, things like that, where lawyers and judges will get together and have to go over things. One of the things that that has come about in the last two years is uh, virtual hearings. Okay. The The court system, especially the court system in Coleman, has done a fantastic job of utilizing Zoom for virtual hearings. Hmm. And, I, and I think that's probably here to stay. Now, there are some things that can only be done in person. Yeah, that makes you, sense. You're, you're not going to do a jury trial by, by Zoom, in my opinion. Some places have tried that. We may get there eventually. But um, the courts never close. Hmm. The courts never close. Even if the courthouse is closed, there's probably somebody there working. And so the the virtual uh, the virtual hearings and that technology has changed things a little bit because you know sometimes in cases uh, I will take a deposition virtually I may have an out of state witness uh, an, an out of state lawyer and you know three years ago I would have to get on a plane and fly to Ohio to take that witness's wow uh, deposition but now We're doing more and more of that remotely, and uh, I I think most people
0: uh, have accepted that. Okay, so um, uh, a lot more integration of technology has helped. Uh, So again, just further behind-the-curtain look, a peek, uh, what are some things about being a lawyer that the average person like me doesn't know about or might not realize? Probably how document-intensive the
1: practice of law is. I mentioned the discovery process. I've had cases where there are thousands of pages of documents wow. that have to be reviewed. And it's it's a big part of it. When, when something goes to court, you know, for every hour that you're in court, there are hours upon hours to prepare for wow. that. Okay. And much of that much of that comes from going through all the documents that are there because what we have to do uh, on a on a daily basis is get documents in, review them, see what's there, see what's not there, and and then take all of that information and synthesize it into what our theory of the case is. And so there's a whole lot that goes on behind the scenes in in preparing to to go to court. That's one of the reasons you know people ask, why does it take so long to go to court? Well one of the reasons it takes so long to go to court is because of, of what I just said. You're having to get information and then sometimes it's not a straight line between you trying to get information and it showing up at your office. You may send a subpoena for information and the party who has the information asserts some kind of privilege mm. or says they don't want to get it. Or the other side of your case says, well, no, you shouldn't get that. That's not relevant. That's not discoverable. Hmm. And then we end up in front of a judge and a judge decides who gets what and, and, and so forth. And so those are all things... That are, that are part of the process that lawyers deal with on a on a daily basis,
0: but um, it's it's the reality. Uh, thinking of a sports analogy i think of playing the game the game is only so long only takes up so much time but people do the whole conditioning and game film and so all the stuff behind the scenes but yeah that sounds like a a whole lot um all right so i know right now there's a supreme court uh, justice nominee and all, all that stuff going on that we could get into we can sidestep that for now but uh it leads me to my next question uh who is your favorite Supreme Court justice and why? I'm a big fan of Brett Kavanaugh. You like Kavanaugh? I, I like Kavanaugh.
1: I hoped that uh, Trump would nominate him uh, before he did. I had followed his career for a long time. Uh, justice Kavanaugh and I also uh, share some of the same uh, sporting uh, allegiances. Okay. And uh, But I think he's he's someone who's grounded in his faith. I think he, he is an authentic guy. I like the way he writes. I like the way he handles his cases. And so uh, I, w- I would say Kavanaugh. You know, what's interesting is um, I got admitted to the U.S. Supreme Court a few years ago. Wow. Okay. And um, there's a, a process for, for doing that. And um, you have to be licensed before the Supreme Court in order to appear before the Supreme Court. Now, I have never argued a case before the Supreme Court. I've never had a case go that far. It's certainly possible that someday I would, but uh, I got admitted to to the Supreme Court. I went up there, I got to watch a hearing in a Supreme Court case in the Supreme Court chamber. And it was a case that I had actually followed uh, for a couple years and it just worked out for me to be there then. And and, uh, one of the, um, I guess one of the perks, if you will, of being a member of the Supreme court bar is you have access to the Supreme court's law library.
0: Oh, okay. And and
1: so on more than one occasion, when I have been in Washington, I I have gone to the library and I've just carried work with me. It it is an awesome facility uh, and and structure there in in the Supreme court. And I've just gone there and uh, caught up, caught up on work from the, from the Supreme court library. And I hope to do that again sometime.
0: Wow. That is super awesome. I, I know I, I'm a military kid, so I moved around a little bit. So I, I've spent some time up in D.C. in the Bethesda area, uh, the Fort Meade area, and and, and up, up there around Baltimore as well. But mm-hmm. anyways, with this next question, you can go lighthearted. You can go more serious. It's up to you. But what is something about yourself that many people don't know? I like to cook. Like to cook? Yes, I do. Okay. I, uh,
1: I started doing a lot of cooking, uh, six or seven years ago, uh, part of my, part of my journey was, was getting in shape. Uh, and you know, there's a, there, there's a documentary, uh, about a guy who lost a lot of weight and it's called fat, sick and nearly dead. Mm. Well, I was fat, sick and nearly dead okay. in January of 2015 and, and, I went through this process. I lost a lot of weight. I started running, started getting into long distance running, and as part of that process was me eating differently, which mm. led me to to start cooking. And so now it has become something that I just that I look forward uh, to doing. My wife is a great cook. Don't don't get me wrong. Sometimes we fight over who gets to be in the kitchen. Yeah, because um, I I just enjoy it. Okay. And, it, and it's a, it's a good thing at, at the end of the day to do it. And I like, you know, also, uh, feeding, uh, feed, feeding my family, uh, healthy foods as, as well. And so that's something that I've, I've really gotten into the last few years.
0: That's awesome. I could see there are, uh, I could see there being relaxing elements to that. Um, so, uh, quick, uh, what's, uh, what's one of your favorite meals to make? You know the the list the list
1: could be pretty long uh, on that one. I like making uh, anything with seafood is probably my my, my okay, favorite. Um, you know I like you know. Red, like stuffed red snapper is one of my favorites. Uh, I also like grilling uh, grouper and amberjack and things like that.
0: All right. So this brings us to our lightning round. And that was kind of like a lightning round type question that I just asked. But this is something new I thought to add after listening to a couple podcasts, uh, like uh, Barry Weiss's uh, podcast called Honestly. She'll uh, do this at the end of her uh, conversation. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go for this. These are quick questions with quick answers that help people get to know you better. And so uh, I'll ask a few of these. So, all right. What is your favorite restaurant? That would be Chesapeake's in Gatlinburg. Chesapeake's in Gatlinburg. What is the
1: last book that you read? The The First Conspiracy. It's about a plot to kill George Washington from within during the Revolutionary
0: War. That sounds incredible. It is. Uh, Okay. Uh, What is your least favorite sport to watch?
1: I'll say tennis because I enjoy watching most sports on TV.
0: Okay. Uh, Who is your favorite comedian? Without a doubt, Ron White. Ron White. Okay. Well, uh, Champ, I really appreciate you coming on. This has been really enjoyable. I have, I have lots of stuff to think through and think about. Um, but anyways, I appreciate you joining me. Thank you very much, Nathan. Alright, friends. That's all for this episode. Keep on coming back for more episodes as the weeks go by. I'll talk to you later. Get it up. Yeah.